Welcome to Big Rich Brock and Friends. Big Rich brings his clean comedy and storytelling to the weekly podcast that is laugh out loud and funny with a side of inspiration. Here is your host, Big Rich Brock. Hi, it's Big Rich Brock and welcome to Big Rich Brock and Friends. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. Hope you're having a great day or start to your week, middle of the week, end of the week. Whenever you're listening, hope things are going good. And over the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about comedy. We'll talk some inspiration. There's no telling what we'll get into, but I know we're going to have a big, rich time. And I appreciate you listening, and I encourage you, if you would, to uh, share this podcast with your friends and family. Let people know on your social media how to find Big Rich Brock and Friends podcast. Man, we're all over the place. You can find us just about anywhere that your uh, podcast needs are being met. So I look forward to it. Uh, again, thank you. I've had some great shows. Uh, man, I'm already up into the uh, – I'm closing in on my 120th show since I started comedy about 17 months ago. Uh, if you don't know my background, I've got several podcasts that I've done that talk about it. But I will tell you this, I'm having the time of my life. And a lot of the things that I talk about on Big Rich and Friends are about you know my life, but also things I believe you relate to. And I want to do something, you know, kind of hit a little different avenue today, because one of the things that comedy and and I reside right now, I live down near Atlanta, Georgia, in Powder Springs, Georgia, and I've been there for about a year. Uh, life circumstances brought me to Powder Springs, and in the midst of that, it's been a great blessing to me. You say, well, what kind of life circumstances? Uh, you know, I went through a D-I-V-O-R-C-E. And man, that thing, uh, and you'd think I'd already went through one. You'd think I'd known what was going to happen. Uh, but I've been through two in my young life. I tease that, uh, I was married 28 years, but it's a variety pack. Took me two women to achieve that. One I was married for, uh, for 25 years. The other one I was married about a year and a half, almost two years. And I've noticed there's a pattern that a lot of men and I guess women too go through. You know, I was, I was with my first wife. She was, we met in college. She was a freshman and I was a sophomore for the, for the second time. Come on, somebody. And we were down there at Dalton College and we showed up. I was a young Christian that was, uh, I mean, young. I'd been saved about three months when I met her and was called to preach. Man, I had, I was fully loaded. I had both barrels loaded out telling people about Jesus, having a big time. Man, I was like the Apostle Paul in the sense that I went from uh, tormenting Christians with my mouth to building people up. And I became a poster boy in my small town for the faith. And in that came the pressures that go with it. And I think in that journey, trying to uh, live for him, and then also being in a relationship that probably wasn't the one I needed to be in. Man, I put on, I, I gained some serious weight. I went from being, you know, 180 pounds. I put on a hundred plus pounds in, in a year. And part of that was being a youth pastor, eating pizza at midnight with a bunch of teenagers and doing lock-ins and, uh, you know, having the world's largest banana split parties and all that. But a lot of it was um, anxiety because 
I got into a relationship because I thought, okay, this is the woman I need to be with. And I think she did the same thing. Now, the best thing that could have ever happened to me was meeting her because it gave me three children, my three sons, who I love dearly, and I would never trade what I went through in my marriage because if I did, I wouldn't have them. And they are my greatest achievement and also my greatest responsibility. And my proudest moments in my life, no matter how big I get in comedy, no matter how successful that I am, it's being a dad. And it's watching my boys become good men and good citizens. It's watching my son throw his first touchdown pass. It's watching my other son hit a game-winning three against the county rival and putting a dagger in their heart as junior year. That boy won't have to buy a ticket to the Northwest Whitfield basketball games the rest of his life because he hit that shot. And watching my, my youngest son achieve things in sports and achieve things in football and now in basketball. You know, I watched all three of my sons, uh, and all of them have different levels that they're at in athletics when they played. But here's the most proud thing I am. Not that one of them was a starting quarterback. Not that one of them was all region. Uh, should have been a point guard. Come on, somebody. I don't want to talk about that. But an all region selection as a shooting guard. And then my third son and making the varsity team and being a part of that program. All three of them got the leadership award for their prospective teams. Uh, my oldest son was a offensive, the offensive captain. Uh, an MVP a senior year, but offensive captain for two years. My middle son won the Bruin Award. That was the nickname of their team his freshman year and MVP, his sophomore year for the JV, and then his uh, junior year for the varsity. And they base that upon not just your ability, but your leadership and being a good teammate. And my youngest son got that his ninth grade year, his 10th grade year, and his 11th grade year. And he has to work harder than the other two to get playing time, but their leadership and what they've learned playing sports and what they've learned being raised by two parents that love them. We might not be together as parents, but we realize that our greatest responsibility is making those uh, boys turn into successful men. And we are very blessed in that. And I know many of you listening are too, and you've invested in your children. And if you're younger, and that's what I want to talk about for a minute, because doing comedy, and then also I'm involved in my my day job is a part-time job now, but I do a lot of marketing for a business uh, where I go to business clubs and I network and do you know rotary meetings and all that kind of stuff. I meet a lot of people, and it's funny. I do marketing for a home inspection business, and I love what I do, and I love being a part of the company, but I laugh because people don't want to talk about sewer scopes and radon tests and home inspections. They want to talk about comedy, and then they'll remember who to call when they need a home inspection. But a lot of these guys in a meeting are guys out of college or they're in their late 20s or young ladies in their 30s, young 30s that are new moms or are getting married. And it's so fun because I'm becoming friends with people who are the ages of my children. And I'm learning things that 
being their friend and being someone that I do business with them or we network, they come to my shows, I've hired some of them to do my social media, my graphics, you know, whatever I've got going on. Man, that age group, my comedy, they might have to Google some of the things I talk about because they'll be like, what the heck is that? But they have fun and they relate to it. And I want to encourage you, I don't know how many folks, I say in my show, if you've got children under the age of 10, clap your hands, and there'll be a few people clap their hands. If you're a grandparent, clap your hands, and there's always a bunch of grandparents clapping their hands. And if you're both, my God, I need to have a prayer line, get you up here and pray for you, because I don't know what it would be like to have a 10-year-old or younger and be a grandpa at the same time. Come on, somebody. I don't want to find that out. And I took care of that. The old snip, snip took care of that, so I don't have to worry about that. But I will say this. When I talk to folks that are new parents, the things that I want to say to you, and I'll say to you today for listening, is uh, don't grow weary in doing good. Man, I know you got to work hard. I know you got to provide. I know you got to pay bills. But make sure you get to spend that quality time with your children and with your spouse. What I think what one of the things that I look at and it makes me so thankful is I took that extra time with my kids when they were in those formidable years. And some of the best memories I have are driving them to and from ball games, to and from school. Uh, before we had bus, before we had those options, and just getting that time with them. My oldest son, when he decided he wanted to play baseball, man, we, we'd been throwing and we'd been playing out in the yard. I taught him how to throw and catch and hit and all that, and he decided he wanted to play. And we went down and signed up at the wreck, and they were scouting him down there. He was nine years old. My gosh, they were scouting him and, uh, made me laugh. And, um, it was funny because his coach, who was his coach for the next three years, he moved up with them, uh, told me, he says, man, both of the Varnell, we lived in Varnell, Georgia, both the Varnell coaches, who are both friends of mine still today, wanted to nab him in the draft. But uh, he goes, we kind of kept it low profile and wanted y'all to get in there and out before the other coach got there for the other team. And uh, he goes, because... He was a big kid. He was good size. We didn't know how athletic he was yet, but we knew that y'all were nice as parents and y'all would be fun to work with. And when you coach a rec team, yeah, you want to have some talent, but you also want parents that aren't nuts. And my God, there's some nutty parents out there at the rec ball or the travel ball. And I've seen plenty of them and I've been, I've been one a time or two. So I understand. But lo and behold, when he decided to play baseball, when we would ride to school, we would talk baseball scenarios because he started at third base was his first position. There's two outs. Guys on second. They hit it to you. What do you do? He's like, I, what do I do? I said, you, you throw it to first. You got two outs. Don't even worry about that guy at second. You get the out at first, you're going into bat. How do you know all that? Because my, your, your granddad taught me all this stuff. And we would talk baseball scenarios for weeks on the way to school. He got ready for the season and man, he was on it. Then halfway through the season, they moved him to catcher and then he called all the way through high school and uh, was an excellent catcher and leader on the team. Then he got involved in football, 
played quarterback as a um, as a middle schooler and a high schooler. And by his senior year, he's like, I'm going to focus just on football, and that's what he did. And then once uh, football was over, he's like, I might could play very small college, or I could go to a big school and get an education and just be a student. Because you guys know, man, if you played ball in high school or if you've got children, it's a big time, or in the band or a cheerleader, it's a time commitment. And I don't know why it is a lot of times the people coaching don't have kids and they ain't got a clue. Bless their heart. You know what bless your heart means, don't you, in the South? What an idiot. But they're not idiots. They just don't know better. We had a baseball coach like that in high school. Um, it was his first head coaching job. He wanted those boys over there at 6 a.m. for conditioning. He wanted them over there at 6 a.m. on Friday. And I pulled him aside. I said, you realize these freshman kids, the only way they can get to school at 6 a.m., is if their mama or daddy brings them. Oh, well, I I, I didn't think about that. No, of course you didn't, because you're not a parent. I'm not beating you up. I'm just saying, man, there's a bigger picture than just what you're doing. So whatever you've got going on today, just realize, I know there's a big picture, and you're a part of it, just like you listening to the Big Rich Podcast. Man, you choose, you choose to tune in. You made the decision. Hey, I'm going to listen, see what old Big Rich is up to. See if he can make me laugh, make me feel a little better. I hope I do here in a minute. But I also want to encourage you. And just know that, man, you're not by yourself. There's always, hey, he Jesus is the way when there seems to be no way. So, And you say, oh, man, I don't want to hear all that preaching. I ain't going to do a lot of preaching. I will tell you this. In my shows, on occasion, I don't do it often, but I laugh because I say, you know, I'm not going to preach, but I will tell you this. I know that God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, that's the true God. You say, oh, hold on now, Big Rich. How do you know that? Because when I was driving up here to Chattanooga, I was on I-75, and I didn't see somebody in my mirror, and I accidentally cut them off. And when I did, they cut back in front of me, and they hollered out the window. They didn't say, Buddha, damn it. (laughs) <laughs> they didn't say, they didn't say, uh, uh, Harry Krishna, damn it. No, they threw out GD because that's where the power is. Uh, when you stub your toe in the middle of the night, when you're trying to find a bathroom and you don't want to turn the light on because you sweet thing over there, your honey's trying to sleep and you stub that toe or you step on one of them Legos, the kids are so spick up. I promise you, I promise you, you're not hollering out Harry Krishna. You're hollering out JC. You think Tom Cruise steps on a Lego and hollers out L. Ron Hubbard? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, that's where the power is in the name of, in the name of Jesus. The Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue confess. I just choose to do it now. And uh, I'm thankful for my relationship with Christ. But I also realize that, um, man, God is love. And I, I try to love everybody. I tease. I say, I love everybody, and I like about five people. Uh, but I, I do try to, you know, and you say, oh, wait a minute. You can't love them if you don't like them. Calm down. I'm just kidding. This is comedy. This is a comedy program that we're in right now. Uh, but I do realize that in this world we live in, you're going to face some people. You want to know how to deal with difficult people? Number one, get married. <laughs> Nah, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Go to a church. Man, go to church. You'll learn how to deal with difficult people. I laugh, man. People leave churches, and I left one. And I was like, man, I don't have time for this. Or I'd go to church, and I'd get mad about something. I ain't going no more. People, you say, when I was a pastor, I'm not coming to this church anymore because I got offended. 
Man, I go to Walmart every Sunday. I get pissed off in there at least twice a month. I still show back up because they got something I need. Wally World's got something I need at a good price, so I show up. I don't like going. I don't like being a part of it, but there I am. I go to the grocery store. Why? Because i got to have some groceries. Do I get aggravated in there? Sometimes I do. But that ain't going to stop me from going to church. That ain't going to stop me from being involved in my kids' athletics, to be involved in the booster club. Man, I used to be the president of my oldest son's football booster club. I'm going to tell you something. When I was a preacher, I used to preach on death row to the inmates. I got a better response from people on death row than I did parents at a football booster club. Man, that's some of the meanest, most arrogant, non-committed people I ever met in my life. They didn't want anything to do. It said, it's my kid getting to play. It's my kid getting to play. And that's not all of them, just most of them. But you've got to learn, man, in this world we live in. And if you live in a neighborhood with an HOA, I'm doing the cross for you right now, and I'm praying for you. Because MHOAs are normally run by a uh, somebody full of H-E-double-L. <laughs> they just are full of piss and vinegar, and they want to make sure that people play by the rules, and they're the rules. Uh, what they say goes. Man, I lived in an HOA. Uh, in Cartersville in my second marriage. It was short-lived, and but while we bought this house, it had a beautiful fence in the backyard, natural wood, just really nice, blended in well with the uh, tree line, with the house. We get a, uh, we get a message uh, tagged on our door. Y'all got to paint that fence jet black. HOA policy. I called. There wasn't no number. I got on the website or on the Facebook page. I said, why do we have to paint it black? Because that's the rules. I think it looks nice like this. Well, we hate it for you. You got to paint it black. So I went out there and painted. I wanted to just paint across it black, B-L-A-C-K. But I knew that would just piss them off and probably get me another letter. And then they said, if you don't paint it, we're going to start fining you. So, well, guess what we did? We painted it. And we got done, and we looked at it, and we got, you know, it's just not as pretty. wonder who made this decision. Somebody on the HOA. Uh, I've got a friend that's a comic. He does a uh, podcast about, or, or did a little, I think it was like a show, podcast-type show about life in an HOA. I was like, man, I couldn't do that. I'd be cussing like a sailor, and I do clean comedy. But that's the kind of things that we have to deal with. If you're part of any, listen, if you show up in anywhere where there's another person, you're going to have the opportunity to be offended, and you're going to have the opportunity to overcome some kind of challenge. So just hang in there and know that uh, I, I, I laugh. I'll say it to you this way. I used to run a staff of 17 people at a uh, mega church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, when I started working there, the staff had, there was about 30 of us, and my job was the staff minister. And I was basically told by the man, the senior pastor, and the CEO of the company, of the church, he said, I want you to work every area of this ministry we have. You're going to come in one week, couple days, you're going to work in the thrift store. These days, you're going to work in pastoral care. These days, you're going to relieve the office ladies so that they can go to lunch. These days, you're going to help the lady that decorates the church and puts the flowers in there and, and gets it all pretty. These days, you're going to be with a maintenance team. And he goes, I want you to learn everything about this ministry 
for the first six months. Then we'll figure out what we're going to do next. But he says, there's coming a day where you're going to run this place. And, man, I'm sitting over there in a group of 30 people, and I'm the low man on the totem pole. I'm over there toting flyers. I'm over there uh, flyers. I sound like I'm from Hog Jow Road, don't I, in Chickamauga. I was toting flowers. I was doing those kind of things. I was working the thrift store. I was praying for the sick. I was feeding the poor. I was reaching out to the homeless. I was doing whatever needed to be doing. I wasn't preaching. I wasn't in the, quote, pulpit preaching. I was preaching in the hospitals, at the HIV units, at the prisons, wherever they asked me to go, that's where I was at, wherever there was opportunity. And lo and behold, about nine months passed, and the fellow that was the number two man in that um, organization decided to leave and start his own church. And he's a good man. He and his wife are mentors to me. They train me. They love me, and I love them today. And I appreciate them. But when they left, there became a void. And everybody's looking around. Who's going to fill this void? Guess who got selected? You're listening to him. The same guy that was everybody's gopher and everybody's uh, helper now became the boss. And I, I was the overseer of 17. I was the boss, the manager of 17 of those employees. And I did that for a decade almost. And, and it grew. But I learned, and it was tough. So you be encouraged if you're out there and you're in mid-management or you're looking, you have your own business and you've got employees. You've got to stay, you got to stay charged up, man. You got to stay uh, encouraged yourself. How can you encourage somebody else if you don't have it on the inside of you? How can I be funny? If I don't have that in the inside of me, um, I, man, the joy, the joy of the Lord's our strength. And the thing I want you to remember is what I remind myself. Um, laughter is like a medicine, man. That's Bible. And I'm out, man, I'm trying to fill scripts all over this nation. I'm trying to help people laugh, to find some peace, to find some joy, to escape the reality for a few minutes, or maybe hear something that inspires them, that they can make it, that, that they can get through whatever it is they're facing. And that's what comedy is so much bigger. When I started this, it was about getting a few laughs. Now it's become so much bigger. And I'm still a novice. I'm still green at it. I've been doing this almost getting to two years. I'm not there yet. But you got to remember, if you just tuned in, but I was a pastor for 25-plus years. Man, I worked with people. I spoke. I did TV, all that stuff. So doing a podcast, I laughed. My engineer, he's like, what are you going to talk about the next one? What are you going to talk about today? I said, man, whatever comes out. Sometimes I plan. Sometimes I have, here's what I want to discuss. Other times I come in and I let y'all pull on me. I let, I say, okay, God, this is your time. What do you want me to talk about? And here we are. And that's what we do. But my comedy shows, I'm in a place now where I'm starting to do some church shows. And that made me a little nervous. I don't get nervous doing most comedy shows. That's one of the number one questions I get. Do you get nervous when you do a show? Most of the time I do not. When I did Dry Bar, I was nervous, especially the first one. Um, yeah, I was nervous because it was a big deal. I knew that was the biggest opportunity I ever had at this time in comedy. And I was a little nervous. The first open mic I did, oh my Lord, nervous wreck. The second one, nervous. 
first show I did, nervous. And what I've learned, you watch some of my early stuff on YouTube, I'm a bulldozer. Man, I am, I am bulldozing that audience. I'm getting laughs, but I'm, I'm talking over the laughs. Now that I've got more seasoned in it, I've learned that silence is okay. Let people laugh. Take a breath. And for you comedians that are listening, you know what I'm talking about. You get on that stage, you're in a theater or a club, the lights are down, you can see about five faces of the 500, but you hear the laughter and it's like riding a wave. I'm not a surfer. I'm big rich. I, I, break, I, I remember I had a styrofoam surfboard I bought in the 1970s. I got out there on it. I paid 5 $6 for it at the Eckerd's. Come on, somebody. I'm showing how old I am. The Eckerd's drugstore down there at Panama City. I got that thing out there in the water, tried to stand on it, snapped it in half, man. I had styrofoam floating all over the ocean. And I was sitting there crying, and my uncle sitting there laughing at me. <laughs> like, you know, I ought to spit in his coffee. I mean, look at him give me a hard time. They talked about that surfboard until he left this earth and went to heaven. But I'm telling you, I ride those waves, those laughs, like a surfer. I just let them wave over me. And then I take a breath. I enjoy it for a minute. And then I hit my next bit. I hit my next joke. And and I enjoy it so much. That sweet spot of comedy. Same thing when you're hitting a baseball, man. You hit that sweet spot. Same thing when you make a business deal or when you see things that you've um, you've put into your children and then all of a sudden you see them flourish you see things happen in their life and you're like man that's the training that's the raising that I gave them it's come full circle now so be encouraged in all those things and man as I'm doing comedy and as we're talking a little bit man I laugh because I don't people ask me and, and some people come to comedy shows they you know and some comedians are great at it where they make fun of people in the crowd. Um, and I have people come to shows, hey, Big Rich, my brother-in-law's going to be here. Stick it to him. Or my sister's coming. Make sure you call her out. I don't normally do that. Not that I, you know, and the reason I don't is I got two ex-wives to talk about, and I only got an hour. No, I'm kidding. reason I don't is I think I'm probably, I don't want to have to repent later, because that I was really good at that as a teenager. Man, there's people that are 55, 60 years old walking around Chickamauga, Georgia, that they're still called the nickname I gave them back in the 1900s. Come on, somebody. So I know how to do that. But when in my shows, I'm not there to pick on people or aggravate people. I'm there to encourage people. And I just want you to know that whatever it is you're into, be encouraged today, whether it's business, whether it's being a parent, whether it's, you know, you're a child listening, uh, a college student. Man, as I was talking in my business circles and in my comedy circles, meeting folks that are half my age, that are doing what what I'm doing and trying to do what I'm doing and vice versa, I find a great uh, strength in that. I enjoy spending some time. I had a guy that I, I sat with at a lunch for a networking event, and I walked in. And, man, he's 22 years old. Man, sharp guy, uh, got a great future ahead of him. He's like, hey, where are you sitting? And I said, man, I don't know. It's pretty packed in here. I, he goes, oh, let's find somewhere and sit together. And we sit there and we chatted. 
and we we just talked about life. I, I learned about his schooling. He's you know graduated recently. He's got him a good job. Uh, learned a little bit about his family. He and and all that's because number one, I'm nice, and number two, he likes comedy. And I always joke around, ladies. I'm a nice man. I only know two women that don't like me. What's the odds I married both of them? Come on, somebody. That's one of my favorite jokes. I had to do that one for you. But whatever it is that we're doing, man, see what you can learn from somebody else. Man, we don't. you don't know it all. I don't know it all. And doing this podcast today, as I start wrapping it up, I want you to think about some of the things we've talked about, some of the laughs we've had, some of the things we've talked about that were uh, a little more serious. And I guess this week, what I want to leave you with is uh, take time to uh, count your blessings. Take time to rehearse your victories. Man, I know you're facing some things. I know you got some big dreams. But there's a guy in the Bible named David, King David. But before he was a king, he was a shepherd boy. And you can read about his story, and he had to fight this joker named Goliath. And Goliath was a giant, and Goliath was one bad dude. And everybody, nobody wanted a piece of him. And, man, the king's like, man, if somebody will take him on and defeat him, my God, I'm going to give you my daughter's hand in marriage. And she must have been a looker because that got David's attention. I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you wealth. I just need somebody to step up. Man, with all that on the on the table, everybody was still fearful, but not David. David was a teenage boy, and he said, I'm in. He goes, I'll do it. And everybody just kind of looked. It was like, man, go back to the sheep, man. Go back to the pastor. You ain't got no business here. You're a kid. And he's like, no, I can do it. And here's what he said, paraphrased. He reminded himself, and he reminded whoever else was listening, but mainly himself, that when he was watching those that flock, a uh, a, a, a bear approached it to take some of those sheep. And David slain the bear, killed him. God helped him. Same thing happened with a lion when a lion attacked those sheep. Man, David rose up again, and he took care of business. So he rehearsed his victories. Then when he got ready to face Goliath, he's like, man, if I defeated the lion and I defeated the bear, who are you to stop me from what God has for me? And he picked out one of those smooth stones, and he gave it a whirl, popped him right between the eyes, and the rest is history. My God, the victory was won. And I want you to know that a lot of that came, I believe, because he took time to rehearse his victories, what God had already accomplished through him and done for him. So take time today to think about all your victories, to think about the things you've already came through. Man, some of the obstacles I faced in my 55 years, I didn't know how the heck I was going to get through it. I thought I'll never be the same. I'll never make it. Now, those only make the top five. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's other things that have come up a whole lot more difficult than what I faced in my 20s or what I faced in my 30s. But just know that the things that you've overcame, your successes, they will take you into the next phase of your life, and you can build momentum. Momentum is a great tool, and I encourage you to enjoy yourself, to build some, and I hope you have a great week. Come out to a comedy show. I'm going to make you laugh. I know I know. I was a little more serious today, 
and you're probably thinking, my God, if that was serious, I don't know if we can handle any more comedy, but I got comedy for you. I got some great shows planned. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Big Rich Brock Comedy, Facebook, uh, website, TikTok, all of them, Big Rich Brock Comedy. My schedule's on there. I've got shows all throughout the Southeast. I would love to come to your neck of the woods if you're in the position, hey, don't book me to come over there and nobody know I'm coming. You want to book me? You want to hire me? Bring me in? I'm in. We'll build that thing together. We'll do some marketing, and we'll have us a big, rich time right there in your neck of the woods. I laughed. I did a home show right when I started, uh, meaning at someone's Residents, they they reached out to me. I, they'd been to a show, but I didn't know them. And they're like, "Hey, man, will you come and do a show at our home? We do a cookout. We bring about seventy people. Uh, what would it take to get you there?" I said, "What are y'all cooking?" <laughs> you know, he told me, and I said, "Well, here's what I charge." He goes, "I'm in. Let's do it. I'll send you a check tomorrow." And he sent me a check, and by the grace of God, it cleared. And Four months later, I, I call him and say, hey, uh, I'll be there tomorrow. Looking forward to it. He says, hey, come on. He goes, I need to talk to you when you get here. Can you come a few minutes early? I said, I always do. I get there early. I stay late. I set up. I tear down. I meet all the people. I encourage people. And then I do an hour's comedy show in the midst of it. And I get there, and he's like, hey, Big Rich, um, it's not going to be 70 people. we got about 20 here. I'm still going to pay you the full price. You know, keep that. I said, thank you. I will. I said, well, if you don't mind me asking, what happened? He goes, man, I went through a divorce since I booked the show. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, man, me and my me and my wife divorced, and about 50 of those people were her people. And uh, they went with her. So I got my 20 here. We're going to have a good time. I said, sounds good to me. And then the next thing you know, I met his girlfriend. Come on, somebody. And we had a great time and had a great show. And I do shows for businesses. Um, I have a great show that I've done for realtors where they bring me in to uh, do a client appreciations. Uh, I've got a holiday show that I can do for you in November, December. Uh, I love what I do, and we can make it work. So reach out to me. Let me know what we can do to help you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to Big Rich and Friends. And I look forward to next week, and I look forward to seeing you at a show near you. Have a blessed day. You've been listening to another episode of Big Rich Brock and Friends. For more information and past shows, go to our website, bigrichbrockcomedy.com. Thank you for listening.